0: two uh, Eco4 mugs, it's actually a tax (laughs) write-off. This is like a kind of home office.
1: The New Brunswick Archaeology Podcast, featuring your hosts, Gabe Reinick and Ken Holyoke, live from Picaroons. (laughs) Welcome
0: back to the New Brunswick Archaeology Podcast. In Fredericton, New Brunswick, I'm Gabe Reinick, and I'm joined as I am every fortnight, by Ken Holyoke, but this time he's in Fredericton, New Brunswick, too. How are you, Ken?
1: I'm very good, Gabe. I'm trying to organize my notes here. Just a second. I've got everything backwards.
0: Yeah, this is the moment where all of our listeners are going to realize how much we actually do edit this, by which I mean how much you edit it. (laughs) uh, And so while Ken is doing that, though, we wanted to thank our sponsors. We're sponsored, as we are every fortnight, by the Association of Professional Archaeologists of New Brunswick. Their website is coming soon, Trevor tells us. We're also sponsored by the ULETH Shirk Exchange Program, who um, are, are paying for various things, and we yep. really appreciate that. Um, we'd also like to thank our live audience tonight here at the Pickaroons Roundhouse. We really appreciate you all Yeah, out. big applause for you. And uh, we'd like to thank Pickaroons for generously letting us use this beautiful space. And we've got a long list of folks to thank for this evening's uh, podcast actually happening. This includes the University of Lethbridge, the UNB Visiting Speakers Fund, CETL Equipment Services, although they're... We'll give them seventy-five <laughs> yeah. percent.
1: Um, they give us seventy-five percent of the gear, so <laughs> yeah. that was
0: uh- the UNB, uh, Department of Anthropology Ecofor Consulting Limited, who've been passing out swag this evening. Our new producer Emmanuel Ackall, and our other new producers, who didn't know there were going to be new producers until tonight, Dallas Tama and Trevor Dow. Thank you very much. We appreciate it. So uh, the. the- Listener both here and at home will notice that we've still been describing this as the New Brunswick Archaeology Podcast. And that's because we still have not come up with a new name for this podcast, a name that has more pizzazz, a name that captures the kind of podcast that could cause 50 seemingly sane people to turn out to the Pickeroons Roundhouse here on a Tuesday night after a long weekend. Uh, it might be just to continue drinking. We're not sure. But for whatever reason, they're here. We really appreciate it. But we think we can get 75 people next time if we yeah. had just I think so. a new name, Ken. Um, and so, uh, Ken, if the listener here had a new name for this podcast, where would they send it?
1: They would send that email to new Brunswick Archaeology at gmail.com. That is new Brunswick Archaeology all one word. Archaeology spelled A R C H A E O L O G Y, Newbrunswickarchaeology at gmail.com.
0: That's right, listener. That's where you would send in your new winning uh, name for this podcast. And if you were, if you were to be the lucky, the accomplished, the intelligent, the clearly clever listener to pull that off this week, Ken, what would that listener get?
1: Well, Gabe, as you know, I live in uh, sunny Southern Alberta these days where we also have no family doctors and oodles of freedom. <laughs> Albertans also like to celebrate their Wild West personas through dress and celebration. Gabe, what's your schedule, uh, July 5th to 14th? Well,
0: oh, I don't know, Ken. What should my schedule be, July 5th?
1: Well, you're going to have pa- to... have 5th through 14th? Yes. All right. <laughs> Well, pack your bags because you and a lucky listener will be heading to the rootness, tootness party of the summer on the prairies, the greatest show on earth, the Calgary Stampede. Yes, you will touch down in YYC where we will arrange for a post-flight snack and a beverage at one of three chilies, depending upon where you're flying in from. That might be the chilies in Concourse D, the chilies in Concourse C, or the chilies in Concourse A. Hard to decide between them, all quality establishments. You can settle in by the bar for Presidente Presidente Margarita of your choice, classic strawberry or mango. They also offer non-alcoholic options. And that will be paired with the triple dipper platter of classic Tex-Mex offerings like boneless buffalo wings, southwestern egg rolls, and Texas dry ribs.
0: My spurs are jingling just thinking of it, Ken.
1: As you exit the airport, I'll meet you with some cowboy boots, a large best summer ever belt buckle, courtesy of JT Kenny's campaign, and the finest 10-gallon or 42-metric liter hat a federal grant can purchase. We'll be ushered, you'll be ushered down, and we'll all be ushered down, actually, downtown in the largest Dodge Ram we can find, to the Fairmont Palliser, where we'll be treated to an evening cocktail in the Hawthorne Dining Room and Bar. Waking up to the bright prairie sun, we'll shake things off with a famous Stampede Pancake Breakfast, starting first at the pre-Stampede Marriott Pancake Breakfast, before heading over to the Edmont Vet Clinic Puppy Pancake Breakfast, before taking in the Midway and Rodeo beginning at 1.30pm. It's a puppy pancake? I'm not sure, but we'll find out. Following the rodeo, we'll be treated to entertainment in the evening, starting with the AEW All Elite Wrestling Dynamite and Rampage show featuring Adam Copeland, Kenny Omega, and Dr. Britt Baker DMD. That's on Wednesday. And for the next few days, we are in for a treat. We are going to wake up on Thursday, taking the Bells of Steel, free t- Stampede pancake breakfast and in-store sale, followed by 130 Rodeo, cocktails at the Hawthorne, and the Saints of Los Angeles themselves, Motley Crew. Friday, you'll wake up and take in the REMAX Complete Realty Stampede Breakfast and Live Entertainment, 1.30 Rodeo, Cocktails, and the Queen of Cowboys herself, Miranda Lambert. Saturday morning, you're going to wake up. Take in. The new Brighton Stampede breakfast with Fueling Brains Academy, pancakes, sausages and fun for the whole family before. That's right. Making your way over to the 130 Rodeo. But tonight, friends, it's not cocktails, no. You'll be dining on the best that the rodeo cuisine has to offer as we sample Elkaroni Pizza. This is a thin-crust fire-roasted flatbread pizza topped with locally made elk pepperoni. Made from sustainably a grown elk, this pizza is sure to attract the attention of the most discernible foodie. Vine-ripened and naturally cr- sweet, crushed tomato sauce, mozzarella cheese, locally prepared elk elk pepperoni, organic arugula and mushrooms followed by a cheesy sweet chili Diablo dog. This is a monstrous 10 inch jalapeno cheddar cheese smoky, uh, jalapeno cheddar cheese smoky infused with topped and topped with sweet chili heat Doritos and hot melted nacho cheese sauce. We'll chase those down with a mini donut boba lemonade using, quote, mini donut milk, shaken with classic lemonade and finished off with a honey popping boba and, of course, a cinnamon sugar mini donut. And if that's not your taste, we'll pop on over to chug down a refreshing spicy pickle lemonade. Yes, this is the traditional pickle lemonade you know and love. Infused and garnished with fresh jalapenos, this drink will surely quench your thirst and give you the kick you need to stampede on. And if that was not enough, we'll wrap things up with a famous ketchup and mustard soft of ice cream infused and frozen together with high premium vanilla among a few of our serious secrets these adventurous summer treats are sure not to disappoint alberta i hardly know it <laughs> After you've got down six Gaviscones, we'll have time for a couple of spins on the Tilt-A-Whirl before popping over for the marquee entertainment of the week. The boys from Jersey Beach, Billboard Hot 100 artists. No, we're not talking about Bruce Springsteen. It is the Jonas Brothers. <laughs> this all wraps up with a dining experience like no other at the third annual Bridge Community Small Business Stampede Breakfast hosted by Elegance Medispa. You'll be left spinning in your cowhide boots, but this whirlwind tour can be yours if you, listener, can come up with a new name for the New Brunswick Archaeology Podcast.
0: That's right, listener. I can hear the hoofbeats now for that person. And, and uh, Ken, where would they send? Where would they send that lucky entry? Lucky Lucky's doesn't even do it justice. I mean, it's that's a, an experience. Where, where would they send
1: it? They were gonna they're gonna send that to New Brunswick Archaeology at gmail.com. That is New Brunswick Archaeology, all one word, archaeology spelled A-R-C-H-A-E-O-L-O-G-Y, New Brunswick Archaeology at gmail.com. And Ken, as
0: we turn to that mailbox at that very address you just mentioned, as you open up that mailbox, as you sip that beer, and as you pour through a number of emails from Podcorn, what's in that mailbox?
1: Okay, this is gonna be complicated The listener at home
0: can't see, but Ken is doing a sort of Brian Ferry thing where he's kind of dancing while holding the microphone. If He's like one pair of leather pants away from just launching into Avalon.
1: Okay, we've got our first email. It says, hi, Gabe and Ken. My name is John, and I've been listening to your guys' podcast for a couple of weeks now. You guys have a great dynamic going on, and I can't wait to see everyone at Pickaroons on February 20th. So John may be here in the crowd, although I haven't had a class oh, with John. Gabe in a co- hey, although I haven't had a ca- class with Gabe in a couple of years, which is too bad considering he has a way of making his classes incredibly engaging. The well, Doctor you, Professor Gabe Reinick. <laughs> <Aww. laughs> it is nice to hear some of the discussions that we once had in class in the format of a podcast. I also heard that you guys were maybe looking to pick a new podcast name sometime in the future, so I thought I'd brainstorm a bit and submit a few. So here they are: probing the past, New New Brunswick Archaeology Podcast. Crowell talk with Gabe and Re, Gabe Reinick and Ken Holyoke.
0: Probing is not my favorite verb, I
1: <laughs> <laughs> Reinick and Holyoke's Heritage Hour. I think it has that's actually a heritage two hours usually. That's uh it's a, we're we're a we're a we're a long hour. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the Reinick and Holyoke Heritage Podcast uncovering New Brunswick and the all-American American Archaeology podcast featuring Gabe Reinick and Ken Holyoke. Well, those are, those are some excellent right, suggestions.
0: <laughs> you started a little weak, but after that, the, they were strong. I thought so, so we'll take that under advisement. I think we've got a little while between now and July to decide if you're going yeah, yeah, to Alberta. yeah.
1: I, th- I think so. I think so. So, the next email uh, comes from uh, Rick. Uh, says abundance of stickers. Thanks, gents, for the stickers. These were stickers that he was owed for months. Uh, although I do not require gratitudes to listen to your podcast, they are greatly ex- appreciated. Gabe, I unfortunately do not own a margarita mug to put the stickers on. My coffee mug will have to suffice for now. Future pod swag? Question mark. Well, it might be. Might.
0: Uh, any mug is a margarita mug when you put a margarita <laughs> in it. <so. laughs> well, thanks very much, Rick. Uh, Rick in Vermont, I believe.
1: Yeah, and he said he really enjoyed the first episode of the Great Sight Series. Looking forward to hearing more. Oh, okay. Thanks very much,
0: Rick. We appreciate that.
1: And I think we have an email from somebody who wants to be entered in the draw. So Vicky, we should add her name to the draw. Okay. Um, and...
0: We're very lax about the prize draw here, aren't we? <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> and show questions from Katrina. Hello, Ken and Gabe. The question. This question is for Ken. I have not yet, uh, I have yet to read your book, The Far Northeast, so I'm unfamiliar with the tone. How?
0: You think ha- the podcast is long, doesn't
1: <laughs> this book. <laughs> yeah. Wait till you try to edit one of my papers. Uh, how has literature, publications, and papers inspired the way that you present archaeology? What about rules and regulations locally, provincially, nationally, and internationally, since you hopped a couple of province be- provinces over before your tenure? Just curious, what... Percentage of your students are familiar with the profession, excluding pseudo archeology before starting university courses. Another name for the podcast popped in my head recently. Number one, what about the trekking trowels? Because on top of all the driving to sites, there's a shit ton of walking. We'll have to we'll have to bleep that actually. Yeah. The uh, number two, the transmitting trowels, as in to communicate news or information and to send signals via radio television waves. Nice catching up with you guys while I work on my crafts. Really enjoying all the guests. Thanks and very she- much,
0: Katrina. We appreciate that. And am I right that Katrina listens while doing? Beadwork,
1: beadwork, and making baskets and dresses. Actually, that's lovely yeah. To hear. And so, uh,
0: are we gonna are we gonna try to answer Katrina's question? or Are we gonna try to do this as part of a program in the future?
1: I don't know. I feel like that. Uh, I feel like that's a good question for an episode. Actually, we I think it might. Be. We might. Uh, we might. We might cheap out here and and uh, put you guys. Uh, put the task to you guys to tune in to the New Brunswick Archaeology podcast uh, after tonight. So. That's right.
0: That's what archaeologists call foreshadowing. <laughs> um, uh, and, and we may also put some of these questions to our uh, illustrious uh, guest star Yes. Uh, who, who we're going to have on here shortly. So uh, thanks very much to everyone who, who wrote in. We, we really appreciate it. We always look forward to getting uh, your mail, and I always look forward to Ken reading your mail. And uh, I think Ken, we have a very exciting guest this evening.
1: We do, we do. Do we want to give out a prize, though, before we bring a oh, guest on?
0: Yeah, let's do a prize.
1: Yeah, um, We'll do one more. We'll do a live prize here and then we'll do a prize at the end of the taping. We, right. uh, we, we, we have, have two left, right? Could,
0: could you write Vicky on a tag before you do this, apparently? This yeah. is, we, we've somehow... Uh... Sorry, the listener at home can't tell. that Ken and I are kind of tied up in some cords right now. Yeah. And I actually can't move without tearing the whole operation down. So I'm sort of <laughs> swiveling on this chair. Um, while Ken... Usually, I'm the more graceful one, but, but Ken is pirouetting around here, and uh, but uh, Trevor can loop through even the most daunting of circumstances. The, Ken, what's the fastest you've ever seen Trevor dig a test pit?
1: Oh, I don't know. Minutes.
0: Yeah. yeah. Is, is it true that he still does them one-handed while
1: smoking a
0: cigarette?
1: Uh, it's, uh, it's entirely possible. Yeah, yep.
0: that's what I thought. And um, once he does that, does he have a little flare that he likes to do at the end? Uh,
1: he usually does a pirouette, um, and then, uh, you know, he's able to throw the the screen on his back and, and make his way uh make his way back to the next text. Yeah, so I'm glad
0: he's still got it. Ladies and gentlemen, Trevor from Eco4 Consulting. <laughs> and Trevor is shaking the feed scoop that is filled with tags for our next uh, lucky winner. It's not quite a trip to Alberta, but Trevor, what are they, what is this person gonna win? Oh, what are they gonna win? They're gonna win Lean into the mic a little bit for us They're there, Trevor. they are
1: gonna win a uh, what's in this one? A water bottle, a toque, and some other accoutrements, some stickers and such. Great. Okay. We got a lucky listener coming up here. Sean. Oh, Sharon Cunningham. We had a pair of Cunninghams <laughs> with to- Oh my goodness.
0: The listener at home won't know this, but this is our second Cunningham victory um of yep. the evening, I believe. It's right. Both uh, both of the Cunninghams have won. Yep. And um we hope uh, the Cunningham household is going to be decked out in Eco4. Uh, it'll,
1: be, it'll be a remote office of Eco4, you know, I think, moving forward. Office, yeah, yeah.
0: The, I understand that once you have two uh, Eco4 mugs, it's actually a tax write-off. This is like a kind of home <laughs> office. <situation. laughs> Great. Yeah, yeah. That was my recollection. Okay. Um, but I, I understand uh, our next guest, Ken, um, does, does, does he still use Esquire after his name? I recall there being, being Esquire uh, after his name.
1: Yeah, I I think I think that is true. And so
0: and so we're we're um, Ken is going to introduce our next uh, our next guest star.
1: Yes, and so uh, our next guest is a, a musician, a painter, a craftsman, a flint knapper, a master canoeist, and in his spare time he does archaeology and his day job as a liaison with NB Power. He has a diploma in hospitality and tourism and management in adventure leadership. He is also trained with the Outdoor uh, Bound Canada as a whitewater canoe instructor. He is a dear friend to all of us and a friend of the show, Mr. Austin W. Paul.
0: All right, good luck navigating to this, this barstool here, Austin. Yeah, the, know, I've,
2: I've been preparing for this my whole entire life.
0: Jump Jumping. The, the listener doesn't know, we, we set this up to really be a kind of Trevor entrance only. This is sort of uh, the. Okay. Well, thanks very much for joining us uh, this evening, uh, Austin. Thank you. And um, I thought we would we'd maybe start out with just kind of asking one of our themes here were along the beautiful river tonight. so we thought maybe we'd just lead off with um, why do you think that archaeology matters for lots of the good people? <laughs> well, we thought we'd start small, listen
2: Yeah. <laughs> Very small. Well, it matters because I say so.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, and thank you for tuning out to the New Brunswick archeology <laughs>
2: Well, well, no, uh, honestly, though, I mean, uh, I hate to kind of break the vibe that's going on here. But, you know, to, to, to get into that question, it, it has to get kind of heartfelt. And, you know, when you think about it, um, when I grew up, I'll just have to take it back a little while. When I grew up learning history, the, the history of, of my people in particular was a footnote in, in what we were taught. And a lot of what you did here was, was often very negatively biased. And, you know, that was the kind of the backdrop that we grew up in. And it wasn't until, you know, I came into my adult life and started taking my education into my own hands and started to pursue some of these these deeper thoughts. Archaeology is one of these things that has not been, it hasn't been biased from a perspective that isn't First Nations right? And so much of it has been studied without First Nations involvement, that it's so important that we study it, because we have the cultural background to be able to understand that, you know, very fluently, and to be able to inform the, not only the people that are studying, but, but ourselves as well. And so it's very important to us, because it allows us to tell our own story. And it takes it back to a time that, you know, supersedes a lot of the political conversations that we might have today and takes it back to a time and place where we have to understand the environment, how the environment changed and, you know, the the cultural adaptations that manifested in responses to these change and really shows you how people live with the land. And as first nations people, you know, that is really what we do. You know, people often talk about living off the land and going back out to their cabin or whatever, but we live with the land as a part of it. Understanding that our, um, you know, our spiritual equity for lack of a better word word or back lack of a better term is no different than any other creature out there we all have a particular part to play within this ecosystem we're all important and um you know it it really helps us tell that in a deeper way and it's it's particularly important to us too uh, because these allow us to maintain our connections with the land and you know it's it wasn't until you know starting my archaeological journey and meeting people like yourselves and learning the the, the depth that that uh, you know we've occupied these spaces is really fantastic and uh, you know it's um, it's it's really quite inspiring and to to look into these these studies and to learn as much as you can really inspires you to be able to stand strong and know where you came from and the the hardships the ingenuity that people. Really had to come up with to to thrive in this landscape. It gives you that uh, that that get up and go, and that um, you know that that understanding of where you need to be, and the the intrinsic you know capability that you have within yourself to do those same sorts of things. But anyways, <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's perfect.
1: So so you engage with archaeology in a different way than uh, you you are a flint napper, right? And so for those of you that don't know, for making making stone tools. Is a procedure that we call flint napping, basically. So you're reducing a stone into these beautiful artifacts, and and Austin is uh, is incredibly talented at this. And so you engage with archaeology by working materials. So what's it like being a flint napper, and how do you use that like to engage with archaeology? Like you you've shared with me basically your perspective on lithics has kind of shaped my thinking about it because of the way that as somebody who makes these things, uh, how you how you engage with it. Yeah, that's very much the into your own hands thing you mentioned earlier, or in your own
0: hands thing you mentioned earlier too.
2: Right. Well, well, you know, it is it is one of those things. It's it's cultural continuity, right? You know, you're 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 walking in the footsteps of the ancestors to go out and find some of these lithic sources. In terms of flint knapping, yes, it's 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 a it's about cultural continuity. You know, you're really walking in the footsteps of the ancestors. Um, you know, going to these lithic sources to find these 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 toolstones and to be able to uh, work with them and to work them down into functional tools it uh i i say it it kind of brings on a higher level of intimacy with the product that you're doing and it helps in a lot of variety of ways now for instance you know finding flakes on a beach you would know for if you're making a stone tool you're usually creating 50 to 100 or more than that of cast off flakes to create a, a biface face a spear point, or, a, or an arrowhead or something like that so that's often what you find and uh you know, they can be easy to pass by, but as a flint napper, you're creating so many of these flakes that can take on a myriad of different shapes and styles, they stand out like a sore thumb because you've made them over and over. And as a flint napper, you make a lot of mistakes, right? And you know, uh, don't want to jump ahead of things, but talking about something like Washed Moic multicolored shirt. Yeah. We call it alleged washed Moac multicolored <laughs> shirt in this program, but yeah, yeah. My mistake. A yeah, thousand yeah. apologies. <laughs> But, you know, when you're making a uh, making tools out of that, the waste ratio, for me at least, as someone who hasn't grown up working the stone that's that's kind of learning it on the fly, it's a great waste ratio. Out, off of an 80-pound block, I might get four projectiles. So it's, uh, you know, it teaches you to become intimate with that stone. And in working that, you never mistake it again. When you see Washtenmoak chert, when I see it on a beach, I know exactly what it is and whatever color variety it is because I've... i the amount of debitage or waste material I've made, I could probably pave my way back home to St. George. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, it, it gives you a, just a, from my perspective, a, 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 deeper, a deeper knowledge of, of the mechanics of what's going.
0: And um, we actually wondered if you could sort of elaborate a little bit on this. So, so we wondered what are the differences in how archeologists might view, you know, what on the the archeological record and how a First Nations person might, and you've, you've talked about this a little bit in talking about your practice at Flint Knapper um, and but maybe even more importantly, what are kind of the implications of these differences, you know, either um, uh, in terms of interpreting the archaeological record or, or better understanding the way people in the past lived? Or is this a sort of two-eyed seeing type situation? Or are missing stuff. Basically. Yeah. Like... Read that back to me again. Sure. I'm <laughs> checking here. They, uh, it says, as a, <laughs> as a First Nations person who's also formally trained as an archaeologist, right. um, what are the differences in how archaeologists might view the archaeological record um, and how a First Nations person might, and then what are the implications of
2: those differences? Well, let me have a little bit of fun with this, right? Uh, please do so, yeah. I like to poke fun at, at you know, the archaeological crew, especially the scientifically minded archaeological crew, which I love. By the way, you know, it, it, it you know, it's a, it's a tapestry here. We all have our part to play. Um, Ken's looking nervous. <laughs> now, what I often studying archaeology, I'm studying the prehistory of my people, right? And so oftentimes when people come at this study from a very scientific perspective, they have the mindset that if you don't have the evidence there to support your theory, it could not have happened. But when you think about, you know, the, the bias in the archaeological record, how very little is preserved, and from an artistic perspective, I think of it the other way around. If you don't have evidence to contradict it, anything is possible. So I come into the pursuit with my blinders as open as possible and trying not to be, although you have to be respectful and, and understand the, a lot of the, the, the theory that all of this is built on, I try not to let myself be burdened by it and not open to new ideas and new approaches. And you really, the sky's the limit. You know, The more that I learn about the ar- archaeology, the more I see of there, the more I'm humbled by the capability and sophistication of the ancient people, and that just gets, gets deeper and deeper as I age. So I think they were capable of, a, you know, any one of us in here today are capable of anything we put our minds to. And, you know, our brains have not changed significantly. <laughs> All right. And,
0: and, and so, so it sounds like, and, and some of that relates to your kind of practice as uh, as actually doing uh, footnapping, other sorts of activities like that is sort of, you, you find that that's narrow, or that it kind of expands your ideas of human possibility?
2: Absolutely. I mean, well, well, absolutely. Like, unless you're doing experimental archaeology, you know, it's, it's hard to say what these implements were capable of, right? And so it does take things a layer further. And just as a, you know, a, a little example, when I started initially working Washtenaw Church, I, uh, I didn't have the know-how to heat treat it. At the time, Ken told me, you know, he shared his research with me, but I'm very impatient and I just had to make tools and go test them. And I didn't have time to do the heat treating process. But with an unheated, unheat treated Washtamoa projectile, I was able to, to use some of my test arrows to shoot through one inch hardwood board and it come out intact on the other side. Completely intact, ears and everything. And I would have thought before that that it'd be a one and done with a stone projectile. That you know, if you did hit your target, that would be the end of the point, and away you go. But no, if you test these things, like you could, you could go back and retrieve these points and use them over and over. And so something like a Washedemoch chert that is so hard and so you know high up in the hardness scale. You know, once you did have a projectile made out of these things, they were indestructible for the most part.
0: It must have been very exciting when Ken said, "Man, you get a, an oven like they have in the basement of the geology uh, department." <laughs> and, yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> so, uh, so you've talked a little bit about what your experience is, but uh, um, and and the significance of what you think, but. What do you think are some of the most uh, significant sites in archaeological sites in New Brunswick and, and why? Like, what in from your experience, maybe some field work stories or you know, watching me fall into a, a river a couple times like that. But, uh, but, uh, uh, what would be what do you think would be the most significant
2: sites and 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 what does it tell us about the past? Uh, well, I could take that uh, very, very far, Ken, and we could be here until the kegs run out essentially. <laughs> but really, you know, to, to me, a lot of the time that I've spent on the land out here, you know combing beaches or doing archaeology, a lot of it has been uh, close friends of mine and, and close family members. And a lot of the, the, the special time that I have out there connecting is a lot about being with the people that I'm out there with. And so it's, to me, it's not so much about the sites themselves, because every site is sacred to First Nations people, every flake is sacred. So it doesn't really matter if it's a single component site that was used you know just for a few generations are a multi-component massive you know aggregation site that everyone's been using they're all very very important and so to me in my in my life and in my experience it's about the the time that i spend on the land and those those shared stories that we find that you know we <laughs> we create out there are just amazing i've seen kenny at one point in time when i first started working with kenny um, we had this particular project where we couldn't backfill our test pits and we had a whole whack of rain over a few weeks and these test pits that were dug down to, you know, 1.2 metres filled up with water and I had fallen in one one day and I wasn't very proud about it but thankfully not a lot of people saw it and you know, I was able to move on but I saw poor Kenny come over to help me finagle a tarp and as he's, he's jerking on this thing he falls over <laughs> into that test pit right up to his chin. <laughs> <laughs> That's listener he fell four feet <laughs> <laughs> and there's a there's another site that you just have to share this one so we're up in like uh Grand Bay Westfield or way out in kennebecasis I don't even remember but we were out on a farm surveying we're coming down through this um you know agricultural field so everything's mowed down everything's uh, you know cultivated grass but it's pretty high you couldn't really tell what you were dealing with in your, terms of your footing so we get to this uh you know this cow fence you know I climb up and over the fence and someone else climbs up over the fence and then Trevor climbs up over the fence and uh Mr. Dow over there, you know, helping everybody out, and then there was another one of our uh, one of our buddies, Michael Rooney, who comes up over the fence, and he's just as spry. He's like a little jackrabbit, and he had no trouble getting over that fence. But Trevor had it in him to spot him to make sure he was okay. And in spotting Rooney, when he come up over the fence, it knocked Trevor off his balance, and Trevor does a 360 pirouette, and as he falls down, he's smiling and he's doing jazz hands. Disappears into the oblivion of grass or the abyss. <laughs> And um, I, it's seared in my mind that the, the manicured mustache and jazz hands going down into the ditch, one of my favourite memories. So I'm looking
0: at our list here, and the question is, are there any more stories you'd like to tell at Ken's expense? No.
2: <laughs> but, yes, okay. yes, yes, I would. I, I'm going to take this opportunity. So uh, Ken came with me uh, and my beautiful wife, Kaylee. Years back, We we had been enticing him to come to Deer Island, where oh, we yeah. spent a lot of time out walking around, and, Kaylee and I had this tiny little hatchback, this little yellow Hornet of a thing, this little Ford Focus, and we stopped at this beach to go for a comb. and It's a it's a big walk, you know. You're out, you're going to spend three or four hours there, and so we got out and and we went. and As we get down to the beach, there's this old decrepit fishing vessel that's been you know beached and half burnt and we got caught in this torrential downpour and we had to go hide under this boat for about 15 minutes while the rain poured then we carry on with the with the with the day and we go walk around the beach and we get back and the door of the ford focus is wide open (laughs) and the car is full of water (laughs) Kenny's like "Uh, I might have forgot to shut the door (laughs)
0: <laughs> no, not our True friend that. Ken. <laughs> so, um, anybody? Anyway. No. <laughs> we'll, we'll come back to that question. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, so yeah, yeah. let it percolate. The, um, did one we'll talk. Right? <laughs> <laughs> or Trevor, we can go after Trevor. The, um, so there's a lot of talk about building capacity for archaeology in indigenous communities. Um, and in your view, I guess, you know, particularly capacity to do archaeological research, but heritage research in general. Um, and kind of in your view, what is the best way to do that? Um, do you agree that this is a crucial goal? Um, how do you, how do you think we should approach
2: this? Absolutely. Well, I I don't profess to have any, I don't profess to have any kind of solution to any of this, but you know, full of ideas, not all of them are good, but, um, you know, really when it comes down to it, a, a lot of the, you know, part of my journey, my archeological journey was being in contact with, with some of this ancient heritage and it was really inspiring and, you know, if it wasn't for my father finding an arrowhead way back in the day and me holding in my hand and, and you know, as a lifelong moose hunter, thinking to myself, that you know, my ancestors, you know, lived off this land, hunted animals like these big giant bull moose with these stone tips. And thinking that even with a rifle, you know, if you get in close to a moose and you have to go deal with a wounded moose out in the woods up close and personal it's 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 terrifying and to think that people were out there that the ancestors were out there with stone points it's it's really inspiring so just having them accessible to you as a first nations and an indigenous person this material object that can can kind of transcend space and time connect you back thousands of years back to your own people it's really really inspiring so i think having them at your disposal is is very important so you know in my mind, I, I look at things like uh, Metapanagia and the heritage park that they have there. I'm so very proud of that. I think it's a beautiful facility. And I would like to see something like that within, at least for every nation, all three of the nations here in the province, but if not every community, right? And there could be some sort of of way of of, you know having the, the displays kind of travel around and, and, and switch out. But I really do think that having this material accessible to the people is very important to inspire them to to, to be the best that they can, right? And, um, you know, it's the, the connection is, is quite profound, right? When you think about it, that you can go up and pick up one of these stone tools that one of your ancestors chipped away and went and possibly, you know, who knows what they carried out with that task, how many baskets, baskets it made, how many animals that it, it processed? How many hunts did it go on? Right, all of these sorts of stories. I think it's very
1: important. So we're oh. we're, we're we're cognizant of the time in part because uh, we we uh, we have a few minutes left, um, and uh, and we want to make sure that uh, the generous hosts here uh, are able to to head home uh, with no problem. And so, wanted to close off with one last question, um, and and thank you for everything so far, Austin. Yes, um, thank you. And this is a big open one. So you've got a magic wand on this. And if there was one thing you could make any member of the general general public know about archaeology, what would it be? Like, what would you what's the message you're sh- sharing tonight here? And with the the broad listenership of the uh, New Brunswick Archaeology we, we, podcast. We don't direct uh, listenership, <laughs> but they're broad in scope. Yes.
0: Yeah,
2: yeah. You know, I think you've stumped me there, Kenny. I really I I really don't know. I guess. I really don't know what to say, Kenny. That's a very big question. Let me think on it.
1: <laughs> okay.
2: well, I guess we're gonna have to have him back. I was just gonna say that's a, that's an invite back for
1: another episode. So but
0: yeah. So we could we could go on all night, but as as Ken said, um, we're not supposed to. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
0: so we'd really like to thank Off and Paul for for coming on for the first yes, thank podcast. You,
2: Ross. Thank you.
0: And we'd also really like to thank all of you for coming out to this. We really appreciate it. It's been a lot of fun for um, for Ken and I. We sort of started doing this, I think, uh, in part because we like talking shop, and this was a, a way to talk shop after Ken had moved uh, west.
1: Yep. And um, and it looks good. Looks good on my tenure file. That's the that's the other thing too. Yeah. That's right. He looks very employed, doesn't
0: he? <laughs> um, but uh, but but one of the things we, I don't think that I certainly didn't realize is how much I would enjoy talking to all of you uh, yes. every, every uh, fortnight or so. So thanks very much. Uh, we really appreciate it. we really appreciate you coming out.
1: Yes, thank you, everybody, for being here. This is uh, uh, kind of blew us away. We expected like 15 people, and, and this is well beyond that. So thank you for telling your friends about it. Thank you for coming out tonight, and thank you for supporting us. Uh, and a uh, big applause for Austin, and a big applause for yourselves, too. Yeah,
0: I, I think we, we actually have a couple minutes for questions and a last prize draw. Uh, last, how many prize draws, sir? One. We've got, we've got the one large prize draw. Oh. The listener can't see... That, that oh, Trevor's actually, uh, yeah. he must have left the backpacks for Ken and I in his car, Yep. Um, but he apparently has backpacks for other people uh, <laughs> here or something, and um, so we're going to do a prize draw and then some questions for uh, Austin.
1: I, I actually wanted to address that. Um, I know that okay. anybody who's been listening for a while knows that Ken and Gabe are always on about wanting a backpack, so I have a surprise for you. Oh, oh, what's this? What's this? What is this? Look at this, Gabe. Look. <laughs> oh! Wow. You carry on today oh buddy.
0: Well, thank you so much, Trevor. I will hug you later.
1: Custom waterproof Eco4 backpacks. This is this is something. I, I
0: have desperately wanted one of these for about two years. So thank you very much, Trevor. Thank you very much, Eco4. Yes, thank you, Eco4. Thank you, Trevor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah exactly. This is great. This means I'm actually going to read Trevor's thesis and maybe <laughs> Exactly. It's fantastic. Yeah. Thank you so much, Trevor. We appreciate it. Okay, so we've got a prize draw, though. Prize draw, uh, yeah. The, so nice. the listener can be just as happy as Ken and I are right now.
1: Right, You have the honors, Mr. Paul. Austin
0: Paul Esquire is reaching into the feed scoop here. I'm trying to
2: draw my own name here. Yeah. yeah. Austin Paul. No, it's, it's Sandra Howland. Sandra. Sandra
0: Howland. Oh, excellent. And uh, Trevor's walking over with, I think, an Eco4 duffel bag,
1: which is what I'm getting oh, next wow. year, I yep. think. And One and of the finest.
0: In there as well. That's right.
1: <laughs> we, we also noticed today that the brand is Atlantis something, which we thought was uh, particularly well-suited for a podcast <laughs> that's spent a couple episodes debunking yeah. pseudo-archaeology. Yeah, so.
0: <laughs> Not that I'm admiring these backpacks all the time, but they, I've had my eye. Yeah. <laughs> they, thank you very much, Trevor. Thank you very much, Eco4, for that. Are there any questions for um, for Austin? We'll read them into the microphone. If we'll like read them back. Thanks very much. What the listener maybe couldn't hear was that the um, Austin's presentation was, of course, very meaningful to us too. And the listener was commenting on this. Uh, so thanks very much. Yes, thank you. Sorry, I'm I'm not good at reading back. <laughs> Realizing here, but the,
2: yeah. It's my pleasure. I live down in St. George. I'm between Aussies and the Birch Grove, and uh, you can visit my porch anytime to pontificate about things. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so uh,
1: I think that might be, uh, I think we're looking at a half-empty bottle of Courvoisier, Gabe. I think we are, although
0: tonight we've broken our usual rule. We usually only drink Courvoisier, but tonight, uh, Ken, what have you had from Picariz?
1: I have had, uh, I believe the first one was a Simeon Jones, right. and we are currently having a 506 uh, Pale Ale, which is uh, delicious and, and refreshing. It yeah. is, a, it is
0: a, first, a first here on the New Brunswick Archaeology podcast The Courvoisier is hidden away uh, in mugs. Um, but we've had uh, we've had beer tonight, so thanks very much, Prigrons. Thank you all very much for coming out. We really yeah. appreciate thank it. Thank you,
1: everybody. This is this is really cool for us, and and hopefully for you too. So yeah. thank you.
0: And uh, no hit pieces tonight, but we'll talk to you in a fortnight.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Talk to you next week Talk to you next week, Gabe. And uh, talk to you next week, listener. Uh, next fortnight. Sorry. Next fortnight. Yeah, yes. yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I- <laughs> <laughs>